When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Shifted up the far side. Chara steps into Anderson. He got labeled by McAvoy. Oh, McAvoy knocked him down, and Anderson is down. The referee with his arm in the air, and the Bruins are going to be shorthanded here at the tail end of the second. Oh, boy. This is a nasty series, too. It has been since game one, and the uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, man, they flexed their muscles in that second period. But it was David Krejci, his fourth goal of the playoffs with the uh, marker, and it's one nothing after two periods of play. If Boston hangs on to win, they advance to the Eastern Conference Final to play the Carolina Hurricanes. Columbus, if they come back, they will force Game 7 on Wednesday. That's what the Avalanche will try to do against the San Jose Sharks as Game 6 will get underway in about an hour from now. The Sharks win. They advance to the Western Conference Final to play either the St. Louis Blues or the Dallas Stars Game 7 goes tomorrow in St. Louis. And yes, Ben Bishop will play despite taking a couple of shots off the collarbone. That did not look good at all. Second hour of 6.30, Chet Inside Sports. Uh, We will uh, move the uh, Jeff Rieger interview to after 7.30. So we uh, thanks Jeff for that as well. So uh, we will play the Riddell helmet story, the smart helmets. We will play that because that's a very important story in my opinion, uh, that Riddell's come up with technology that the Dalhousie Tigers will start using uh, to uh, basically track and I guess measure the impact of head injuries, not concussions, but uh, head injuries. So a little bit more study into what uh, you know impacts and blows the head will do uh, and how they can measure it. Maybe they can you know kind of have more preventative measures for um, you know, head injuries, or maybe more importantly, is to have better ways of maybe finding ways to have brain therapy. I don't think you're ever going to get headshots out of any sport that, you know, physical nature like hockey and football. But if we can understand head injuries better, um, you know, I'm all for it. So we will play this interview. We will. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> it's been pushed like three times now. But hey, the stuff's been so good on this show. And uh, it'll continue right now with Rob Brown, in-game analyst of the Oilers Radio Network. Hey, buddy. How you doing tonight? I'm well. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. This series has been nasty between the Bruins and the uh, the Jackets. It's it's great, but man, I mean, it's you know, it's funny when I going into this second round, I thought this is the series I'm least interested in, but it's going to be nasty. So I'm probably going to get hooked, and probably ten minutes into the first period, I was hooked. Well, yeah, and actually going into this series, this might be one of the best ones. I think that people really overlooked Columbus as a team. I think they made all those moves, and they didn't really gel at first when those moves were made. People are saying, oh, you know, this GM's gone, the coach is gone, it's 
it's, it's not turned out like they wanted to. But people forget Columbus had 98 points this season. Yeah, you know, they're they're one win away from having a 100 point season. Uh, they've got a, a lot of star players on that team. Uh, you know, a Duchesne, a Panarin, a Jones, Bobrovsky, and it took them a while to come together. So, you know, this Columbus team, uh, they have a chance to go a long way in the playoffs. They've got good goaltending, they've got game breakers, they've got a, a stud on the back end. And the Bruins, may, is it still their time? Their, their top players are getting older, yeah. but they know how to win. So uh, it's been a great series. Uh, it'll be interesting to see this third period, uh, where it goes, if, if Columbus can get their power play going. Uh, and the Bruins, I would I would think that they're thinking in this dressing room, we better win tonight because we're going to be without McAvoy next game because yeah. he will be suspended for yeah. the hit that you guys just played on the radio. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, that's going to be a big loss for the Bruins if uh, if this game does go to Game 7. So you're absolutely right. But I tell you, as well as Sergei Bobrovsky has played, uh, and and the uh, the television broadcast flashed a picture of John Tortorella after the Krejci goal, and you could tell it was just like, oh, come on, are you kidding me? Uh, it's just one of those goals that if you're Columbus, you're going, oh, man, that's the, let's hope this is not the, not the silver bullet here. Well, especially since Columbus had a number of great opportunities. They, they, they've run pucks off posts. They, they have uh, a number of golden opportunities just before the goal goes against them. Uh, I, I don't see that being the winning goal. I, I do see Columbus scoring a goal in the third. It's just a matter of does Boston get one as well. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this one went to, to overtime. The, the way these two play each other, the way they are so evenly matched, you would expect that this might take extra time to finish. But, again, it shows you the the importance of making the playoffs. doesn't matter where you finish, first through eight. You make the playoffs, you have an opportunity. And I think this year, this playoff season, has shown that more than any playoff season that I can remember. Does the injury to Ben Bishop have, uh, if you're from the Dallas side, have a really, you know, would you be really concerned uh, going into tomorrow, even though he is going to play? I mean, first of all, goaltenders, my goodness, that, that, that was two vicious shots he took on the collarbone, and he didn't look good on the fourth goal because it just looked like he just was so uncomfortable. But how do you see tomorrow? Uh, it, to me, it seems like the Stars have been the better team, and the Blues have been maybe, and I said it earlier, maybe more opportunistic with their, with their chances. They've been getting some timely goals in this series. Well, you never want to go to a Game 7, and Vegas will tell you because a refereeing mistake can cost you a series. Uh-huh. And uh, so it, it, it's hard to handicap a game because uh, a goalie can steal a game, a goalie can have a bad night, a ref can make a mistake, uh, an inadvertent penalty, a high stick or a puck over the boards can be the difference in a hockey game. Uh, anything can happen. That's what's so exciting about watching Game 7. Uh, I mean, I, it doesn't matter what comes on TV, what sport it is. If it's a Game 7, I'm glued to it just because of the drama involved in it. So... Um, St. Louis should have a little bit of a boost uh, going home. Uh, it, it'll be a game that will have a little bit of nastiness to it, but I think a calm-down nastiness because no team wants to, or no player on either team wants to take the silly penalty yeah. that allows the other team's power play to score a game-winning goal. Uh, the Dallas Stars, their top line, when they're on the ice, they're dominant. So they, the Blues certainly don't want to give them more opportunities on the power play. Again, another great series, and <laughs> I've been part of it, and I, and I and I watch it now, and I wonder how I was part of it. The viciousness of these playoffs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you there is no time to make plays, and I think that's what you're 
if you're a GM right now moving forward in any team that's sitting outside the playoffs right now, and you're looking on how teams are having success in a playoffs and which teams have struggled, you want to find guys that, A, can skate fast, but you want guys that can think fast because there's no time to get a puck and then make a play. You have to have it instantaneously on your stick and know what you're going to do with it because there's just no movement out there. There's no room out there. And I think that the teams that have success are teams that have players that have very high hockey IQs and guys that are able to get to pucks quicker, able to allow them that split second longer to make plays because it, uh, it's a man's game in the, in the National Hockey League playoffs, and we're seeing that game in, game out. Yeah, no question. Rob Brown joins us from the Oilers Radio Network, our in-game analyst here on 630 Ched. Well, you talk about teams that are not in the playoffs. The Oilers are in that category. They have been too many times over the last 13 years, and it will happen this week at some point. Officially, Ken Holland will be the general manager of the Oilers, uh, 63 years old, tons of experience. Um, there was, you know, there, there's obviously his record speaks for itself. Uh, pre-cap era, he was incredible. Post-cap era, got the team to the playoffs a few times. Last five years have been tough, but here we are. Clean slate in Edmonton. What do you think of the hire? Well, I, I think of what you said heard about the, the the gentleman that were up for for the job yeah, he's probably he's by far the most qualified he's got certainly the best resume um I, I think that there's a lot of people hoping for the splash of a kelly mccrimmon coming here and justifiably is what he's done has been very recent he turned nothing into something pretty special in vegas and a big part of that and i don't blame him for staying in vegas i mean he's he's, he's got a pretty good team for a number of years that he helped build Mm-hmm. I, I could understand completely why he would stay in Vegas instead of coming up here. Um, to come to, to Edmonton as a, as a general manager, I mean, you've got to have the credentials, but you also have to have uh, thick skin and, and, and an understanding of what it's like to come to a market like this. You know, it, it's not for the faint of heart. No. Uh, you're coming into a very uh, a desperate, angry city that. Uh, loves their team, but has been very dissatisfied for a number of years, and uh, they want success and they want it quickly. So uh, you have. Uh, I, I think it, there's some general managers, the younger ones, that may have been eaten up by the opportunity. And I think that they went out and got a guy that's experienced, and uh, he's hopefully learned from the mistakes he's made as of late in Detroit. Uh, of the guys that I saw, the candidates they were talking to, I thought he was by far the most qualified and. Mm-hmm probably the right choice but uh, time will tell and i, I think that there's i know you, you read you read a lot of articles you go on twitter you go on all these different social medias and there's people that are happy and there's people that aren't to me it's you know what let's wait and see what, what he does I, I there's nobody out there that i heard named that i thought was a slam dunk that was all right okay you know what? we should have got him so since there was nothing that uh, Bob Nicholson and the Oilers missed on, I think you give him Holland a, an opportunity to come in and hopefully have a little bit more magic in him and turn this Oilers franchise in towards the, the direction that the fans here desperately want him to go to. Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, we, we know it. Uh, we live it. The, the fans are desperate in this city to see a winner. And, and you mentioned the word quickly. They want to see it quickly, and absolutely they do. And we, and we don't blame them for that. However, with Ken Holland, it's probably not going to happen quickly. He's going to, I, I would suspect Robbie's going to be very patient. I mean, first of all, he's got to assess what he has, and he's got to assess what he has, especially within the organization, and then he's got to look at 
the team, you know, I don't think we're going to see a lot of results here. Or we can judge the results for probably two years or maybe even more. This is going to take time. And I think Ken Hollins is, is totally bought into that. Well, and I, I don't. And we we talk a lot on our show, Reed and I. And you're in, you come through to our show every once in a while, and we talk off air. The Oilers are it's a mess. Yeah. And, and there's no easy fix. We will have phone to well, you got to make this trade. Well, we can't make that trade because they've got he's got a no trade con- contract. Well, we got to buy this guy out. Well, we can't buy him out because actually there's very little cap relief buying him out. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to move that guy. It, it, the Oilers are in a, a very hard spot. All the players that they, and I know that they do these surveys stuff, which players should be moved, the number of players that they talk that should be moved, most of them can't. And the other ones aren't getting you anything in return. So the others right now are unsure in that. They, they, they've got a guy now that's signing for three years, which many people question that signing, and I'm one of them. Uh, but they've got this guy for three years. So you're not going to go and get another number one goaltender. You can't because you can't afford it. Uh, your your best is to go out and try and find a really good backup, but again, not easy to find because you don't have a whole lot of money to spend on goaltending. On the back end, you've got a number of defensemen uh, already signed. You've got uh, a couple that you cannot move who have got big contracts, like Asakura, who's a, your third-pairing defenseman. You've got Chris Russell, who a lot of people mo- want moved. Again, no trade, or, or he's got a, he can only go to certain places. Uh, you got Larson up front who had a, a, an awful, awful season by his standards. So what are you going to get him on the trade market? And then up front you got three center, centermen and you got nothing else. Yeah. But you're third in the National Hockey League in salary cap. So I don't care who was coming in here. There, there was nothing. There was no quick fix that they were going to be able to come in and, and change this thing. And then that's just the on ice. The one thing that people are clamoring about is, there's got to be changes in the organization. So now you're having this guy come in as a general manager. He's got a team that is up to the cap with glaring holes all through the lineup. He's got no coach. He's got to decide on assistant coaches that he doesn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. He's got to go through the pro scouting, the amateur scouting, the development, uh, everything. So, yeah, no, there is no quick fix, and there's nothing quick that he can do. And, if, and, it, and it's t- terrible to tell the fans but if, if someone comes into to, uh, an organization, to a business, he's not going to come in day one and, and fire everyone and say, all right, this all has to be changed because he doesn't know what needs to be changed and what's been working. Yeah. So there's got to be some time taken. Um, it, it's just unfortunate because you got the and – here, and here's the – to me, this is what's wrong with the Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers had the three uh, – well, the three best players as well as their top – defensemen all had career years this year. Mm-hmm. This is the best they have ever done. But I'm, I'm talking about Dan Elders on the back end. Best they have ever done in the National Hockey League. We're talking a 50-goal season, 116-point season, and team ended up 11 points out of, this, out of the playoffs. Right. There's going to be a drop-off at some point with some of those players. Is Leon going to score 50 again? Is Nugent Hopkins going to get that again? I mean, you would think, Connor, maybe he can push it each year to where he's at. And then you look at a fact that a team like the Phoenix Coyotes, They've got one star player on their team in Ekman Larson, who had an off year. And the Oilers have their four best players all have career years. And Arizona ends up ahead of the Oilers in the standings. Yeah. That shows you how many holes the Edmonton Oilers have. There you go. And I think it's up. It's a really important step. 
for the next head coach or for Ken Holland to bring in a coach that's going to bring in a style of play that's conducive to what he has. But it's, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough to do. And I don't know whether it's an experienced coach or whether you take a flyer on a, you know, Todd Nelson's name's been bandied about. But, you know, I, it, it doesn't matter. They just have to, they have to find a way. Because you do have those star players, but, you know, when you have such a drop-off in every other area, that, that's tough. So can you find a coach that can bridge the gap? That's going to be a tough job for any coach to come in here. Well, it is, and the one hard part for the Oilers and, and, and Holland is there's been some pretty good coaches that have been snatched up in the last little while. Yes. I've always been a big fan of Elaine Vigneault. Me too. I, I've always liked him as a coach, and he's coached stars. He's had the Sedins in Vancouver and had success with them. He went to New York and, and Lundquist, and, and I think he had Nash when he was there too. Like He's had star players and had success. He's gone. Um, you, you got, I mean, Tom McClellan gone and there was one other really good coach oh quenville joel quenville yep. another uh superstar coach he's gone so now the 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 player the coach the possible could have been possibilities that great possibilities for the Oilers. they're gone so now you're at the next tier and it is a drop-off once you get past the the elite coaches so it's not easy um ken holland or holland he certainly knows what he's getting into um and it, it it's not going to be easy because not only does he have all of that work to do, he's got the white noise of an entire city on yeah. everything that he does, every move. Uh, I mean, you know what it's like on the radio shows, on the call-in shows, in the papers, uh, on, on social media. Uh, the patience is very, very, very thin right now in, in Oilerville, and rightfully so. so. But this is a guy, a GM that's come in. He had nothing to do with any of that. He's got to try and come in and fix up, to clean up the mess. Yeah. Rob, as always, appreciate your insights, and we'll see what happens. The Ken Allen era will officially begin at some point this week. So thank you. Thanks again. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Sounds good, Dave. Rob Brown, in-game analyst on the Oilers Radio Network. Uh, under 14 minutes to go in Columbus. It is Boston up one nothing on the Columbus Blue Jackets in Game 6 of their second-round Eastern Conference uh, series. Boston wins. They're heading to the Eastern Conference Final. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Marcus Johansson, his second of the playoffs. The old war horse, David Backus, his first of the playoffs. It's now 3-0 Bruins with under 10 minutes to go over the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's looking more and more like the Bruins will advance to the Eastern Conference Final and host the Carolina Hurricanes in Game 1 some point this week. And yes, 6.30 Jet, once again, the home of the NHL Eastern and Western Conference Finals and the Stanley Cup Final. There you go. So, uh... We'll keep you updated, but it looks like it is a fait accompli, the Bruins over the Blue Jackets. 6.30 Chet Inside Sports brought to you by Northern Chickens uh, Brunch. Yes, brunch, Sunday, 11 a.m. until 2, featuring biscuits and gravy with smashed potatoes. Visit northchickenyeg.com. Let's go to the phone lines, and uh, we got Bacon Man. I like the name already. What? Hey, what's up? You're on the air. Hey, hey there. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good. Hey, I talked to you uh, 
three years ago, roughly, no, probably four years ago, last time I, t- I called in near the host, and he said the Blue Jays didn't have a chance ever to make a run at it. I hope you remember those comments. They went on to be Canada's favorite team ever. So that that's where your comments are coming from right there. That okay. was 2015. Okay. Yeah, okay, you, did, you, didn't, you didn't know what you were talking about. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I guess with the handle Bacon Man, I should have been worried. Anyway. <laughs> oh, well. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Hey, let's do this. Let's read more text at 630, 630. Uh, A couple of, uh, when we talk about the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, a lot of you, are, or a couple of you on the text line have said, why don't you just keep the guy that was a coach this year after the team fired Tom McClellan, Ken Hitchcock? You know, I, I don't know if that's the best choice, but maybe that is the best choice when you look at the circumstances. It's going to be hard to find a quality head coach because I, I agree with Rob Brown. When Elaine Vigneault was hired by the Flyers, it kind of went, oh, Ooh, that's tough. Because when you talk about a style of play, I think Elaine Vigneault can coach a style of play that may not be pretty to watch, but it would be conducive to a successful hockey team. You know, can the Oilers pry Dave Tippett out of the Seattle franchise? That might be a big if, but you never know. You never know. Maybe he would be enticed by coming out and, you know, coming to Edmonton and and coaching. Other than that, you're into another tier. And maybe Ken Holland wants to uh, have a veteran head coach more than a less experienced head coach. So maybe, maybe that brings Ken Hitchcock into the mix again. This text says, or this is just keep Hitch's coach. Yes, Great, and actually have the team playing together. They were playing pretty well and understanding a system as far as getting some top players and a goalie. They should offer up a bunch of their prospects that everyone says they're going to be outstanding players. See, that's the thing that you can't do. I totally disagree with that. You can't make rush moves. Now, maybe there is, you know, they have to make a decision on Jesse Pugliarvi, and maybe this isn't the summer they do that. Maybe they give Jesse Pugliarvi more rope because it is a new man in charge. But that's the one thing Ken Holland won't do is rush prospects and make quick decisions on prospects. And you look at his track record over time, and it's worked. Even the team that's in place now in Detroit with Red Wings, you could say there's a lot of good pieces there. Andreas Anthony C. is a 30-goal scorer. Dylan Larkin, obviously, is a very good hockey player. Jonathan Anderson's a good hockey player. You know, there's some good pieces on that that team. Uh, So let's get to Detroit. Uh, perspective. Uh, Jeff Rieger is the uh, broadcast host for 97.1 The Ticket in Detroit and uh, happy to have Jeff on the show talking about what will happen later this week and that it will be Ken Holland officially named as the Oilers general manager. Jeff, nice to have you on the show. Hey, how are you? Uh, doing well, and of course, you know, I mean, I'm talking to you uh, here from Edmonton. You're in Detroit where the Wings have had some tough times. The Oilers have had some tough times for a long, long time. And now they're going to take, uh, the, you know, they're, they're about to hire the general manager, who, 
the longtime general manager of the Detroit Red Wings, uh, Ken Holland. First of all, Jeff, uh, does it surprise you at all that that Ken Holland's leaving the Red Wings after uh, you know 25 plus years? No, not at all. He's 63 years old, and and he has like if there, think what you want about Kenny, and we could talk about what people think about him. However, the one thing I do know is that he still has the passion to do this. And I think he'll be motivated, and I think he'll be out to prove the doubters wrong as well. So when they hired, talking about the wing hired Steve Eiserman, and they had the press conference, and it was really weird because Holland was sitting there the whole time, and they made it sound like it was Ken Holland's idea to bring Eiserman in. And, and I don't think anybody was buying that, to tell you the truth. Now, they're buddies, so I don't think he was against it. But I think Kenny probably wanted to keep his job and try, probably wanted to, uh, you know, rebuild the wings himself. So it doesn't shock me at all that, that he's, he's going to go to Edmonton or, or really anywhere else because as soon as they hired Eisenman, despite them saying, well, we gave Holland an extended contract, I, I, I knew he wanted to be a GM again. And you talk about sitting at that press conference and, and, you know, looking at Ken Holland and, you know, they're trying to sell you, the team's trying to sell you that it was his idea. And obviously we can all see through that. The fact that he has the passion to keep doing this. Um, and I know Oiler fans are very polarized on this subject. And, sure. um, you know, they're not sure about Ken Holland. I think overall you say, you look at Ken Holland's resume and you go, wow, that's incredible. Four Stanley Cup championships. Look at look at the players that have come through that Red Wings system, that Red Wings team. I mean, you got legends. I mean, including the, the current general manager. But then people look at Ken Holland, you know, even go, go back to post you know, salary cap era uh, when the salary cap was brought in or and even encapsulated to the last five years and there's a lot of Oiler fan that, that goes, I, I don't know whether this is the right hire or not. But first, tell me about the passion that he has to keep doing this and then we'll get to all the what's happened in the recent history. But the fact that he has the passion to keep doing this has been a motivator for him to come to Edmonton. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. He's 63 years old, as we already mentioned, and I think he loves not liked. I think he loves being a general manager. And, I mean, obviously, I really do believe it's been the last 10 years that drives him because while he's heard some of the stuff that you're talking about, and listen, fans in Detroit weren't happy either. Now, you can't take away the cups that he's won. You can't take away the gems that he's found in the draft. The Ken Holland haters will say, oh, my God, Sergei Fedorov. Well, you know, Ken didn't find him. Hakim Anderson found him. You know, there's, there's always – a story, I guess, for the Ken Holland haters as, well, Kenny wasn't responsible for any of the success. But when you really look at it, he came in 97. He won four Stanley Cups. The success happened under his watch. Then, if you look at what happened afterwards, a salary cap happened. And we knew Ken Holland was a genius when he was able to go out and trade deadlines and in the offseason spend a lot of money and bring a lot of good players in. And, and they won cups that way. But let's not forget, too, that Ken Holland and the Detroit Red Wings were – for a while, the only team that made the playoffs in the salary cap and non-salary cap. So right. he was doing well for a while. The problem is, and we'll never get this answer, but this is what I believe. I can just tell you what I believe. I believe at some point the Wings had a 25-year playoff streak. I believe at some point the owners, the Illich, just said, we want that, con- that to continue. I think they enjoyed having the home playoff gates because why wouldn't you? It's extra money. And, yes, I think they went to Ken Holland, and I can't prove this. And I think they said, you got to keep this going. So while Ken Holland probably realized that the rebuild needed to happen three, four years before it actually did, I think the Illich has probably said, 
I need you to keep making the playoffs. Right. And that's your job as a GM. You do what your boss says. So, again, I can't prove that either way. But if that is the fact, and that's what I believe, some of the moves that he made, I do believe, look a little more palatable than if he's really thinking to himself, oh, my God, I'm delusional here, and I really think we're a playoff team. Like, I think if you were to ask him, I don't know, two or three years before they started rebuilding officially, I think he'd probably tell you, you know, yes, we need to rebuild, but ownership probably won't let me. So if that makes you feel any better, I I don't know. But he does get killed in Detroit for his last seven to ten years, and and rightfully so. But I think that's what drives and where that passion starts. Yeah, it's interesting. So we're talking with Jeff Rieger from uh, 91.7, the ticket in uh, Detroit. He uh, hosts the Detroit Red Wings uh, games. uh, Joining us here on 630 Chet Inside Sports is uh, at some point this week, we're going to hear officially that Ken Holland is the new general manager of the Edmonton Oilers. You're not the only one that has said that. In fact, we've had, you know, we had a couple people on our show say the same thing. And it's interesting that you say uh, or, or, you know, imply, and you're right, we can't prove it, but you know, the ownership, the ownership group really liked winning, uh, and they're going into a new building, and they want to really wow the fans and, and get that winning tradition back. And maybe there were some areas where they said to Ken Holland, you know, let's let's get some people, uh, let's get some players here uh, that that can help us win again. And you know, maybe sometimes, and, and Ken Holland's a professional; he's a grown up. Uh, he knows he knows this game, but maybe that forces a, an individual to maybe overvalue a player or, or maybe sign a player that maybe he shouldn't sign. Um, so, you know, when we talk about Ken Hall will have full autonomy, maybe he did not have that in Detroit at, at the end of the day. And nope. that, I find that interesting. I think that's actually a really good point. And, and again, listen, I'm a big Ken Holland fan, mainly because I think he gets a lot of crap for stuff that probably isn't his fault. With that being said, he also treated me in the media very well. So it's hard not to like a guy like that. So, Hopefully I'm not labeled a homer by any means. With that being said, I, I, I think you are on to something, though, because the full autonomy thing was the sticking point from what we understand when we heard about Holland to the Oilers over the weekend. So I think that was really big for him doing what he wants. The other thing to kind of point out is is when it was officially on, when they eventually, hey, listen, we're going to rebuild, they told the fans, Holland was guilty of saying some stuff that he probably should not have said. For instance, rebuilds take 10 years or 15 years and stuff like if you want to win Stanley Cups, you're in the wrong business. So he's had some probably sound bites that he'd probably like to take back in Detroit. With that being said, I think he's done a real nice job of setting this team up for success. Not this year, not next year, but but maybe in five or six years when when they're eventually, hopefully, going to be competing for Stanley Cups or at least, you know, winning playoff series. And and when you look at what he's been able to do, just acquiring draft picks. I mean, Ken Holland and Ryan Martin and company, once they realized, listen, we're not going to win anymore and we are in a rebuild, they decided to trade Gustav Nyquist. They traded Brendan Smith. They traded Thomas Tatar. And for some of those trades, he got first-rounders for him. And, you know, some of these guys are obviously helping out now, and some of these guys hopefully will help out in the future. But, but I think Ken Holland has done a nice job of setting up Steve Eiserman and kind of like saying, listen, I think he saw the writing on the wall. I think he knew Eiserman was going to come back. He's going to tell you he didn't, but I don't believe that for a second. I think he knew his time was short in Detroit as well. I wouldn't be even shocked if he started talking to some of these teams way before Eiserman got the job just because he knew. But all through it all, Ken Holland is always, at least I believe, taking 
the responsibility of being a Red Wing pretty seriously, and it's not like he swapped off. It's not like he was giving away guys for nothing. It's not like he wasn't trading guys mm-hmm. when he should have been trading guys. You know, he did set the organization up with some a ton of draft picks last year, this year as well. So I, I would say if you're Edmonton, all I would say is give it a chance. I know there's a lot of people that look at the last seven to ten years and say, my goodness, Jonathan Erickson, Justin Abdelkader, Darren Helm, Thomas Vanek, Franz Nielsen. He's giving these guys contracts, and they're playing over the young guys. Are you kidding me? I get that. Totally see that. But there's also a different side, and I think he's done a nice job of getting this team prepared to hopefully contend soon. So, I mean, again, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens at Edmonton, yeah, as you guys are just like the wing, pretty far away from that happening. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, the comments from Jeff Regeer, the uh, – Broadcast host of the Detroit Red Wings on 97.1, the ticket. So some interesting uh, comments from him and kind of confirming what we've heard a lot from uh, even, you know, people that follow the NHL that are not in Detroit but are aware of the situation that Ken Holland, you know, maybe some of these moves weren't by his own, um, what would you call it? It wasn't his idea to keep going and try and make the playoffs. Ownership put some pressure on him, and, hey, Ken Holland made some bad calls. But uh, he was able to clear some cap space in the in the trade deadline. So he is able, he was able to get things done in Detroit, kind of leave them in a good situation, as Jeff said. So the veterans that he signed, maybe not good choices, maybe not good contracts, but he's leaving the organization under the uh, – tutelage of Steve Eiserman with some uh, pretty good pieces as well going forward. That's a lot of lot of young pieces on that team. Hey, Edmonton Prospects Baseball returns to Edmonton. 6.30, Chad wants to send you and three friends to the home opener. The home opener is on May 25th against the Lethbridge Bulls at Remax Field. And if you're the first caller, you score yourself a four-pack of Edmonton Prospect tickets. Free baseball tickets? Free baseball tickets, man. What? That is awesome. So first caller at 4960063 will win the four-pack of tickets to see the prospects host the Leftbridge Bulls on May 25th at Remax Field. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. He'll rim it far side. Took a hit. Kicked out. Two on two the other way. Coil over the line. High slot with Johansson to the high slot. Shoots. Bobrov's going to save. They score! Coil and Johansson came across the line. Crisscross created some space for Marcus Johansson. Now near point. Krug to the near circle. Centered out in front. They score! David Backus, his first goal of the playoffs. Stick free on the area pass and chipped the top shelf. Three nothing Bruins. So Johansson is second, and David Backus his first goal of the playoffs. And the Bruins, it's over. They're going to the Eastern Conference Final to play the Hartford Whalers. No, no, wait, the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, could you imagine? <laughs> they got to bring back one game. Bring back the old Whalers jersey. Absolutely. In uh, in Carolina. We got an Adams Division final in the Eastern Conference final. That's right. Brass Bonanza. Let's get it done here. There you go. Uh, So the Bruins, I'll tell you what. Columbus was so impressive in that second period. They had scoring chance after scoring chance. They were dominant. They couldn't score. Tuka Rask was great. Got a 
couple of posts in there too. And then Sergei Bobrovsky lets in an unfortunate goal. And then the second goal by Johansson wasn't good at all. And then Bacchus gets the third goal. Now, it's hard to blame the goaltender when your team can't score. They had grade-A scoring chances in that second period. So here's a question. I don't like when teams go all-in at the trade deadline because that's so risky. The Jackets did. Now, they had a great run with about nine games to go. Before that, they were dreadful. The Oilers beat them twice, but they found a way to get it together. Swept the Tampa Bay Lightning, President's Trophy winners. Six games in, or six games later, they're out. Was it worth it? I would say, hey, they got to within one game of Game 7 of the second round. It's disappointing for the Jackets, who are now facing an uncertain future. Is this the last game for Sergei Bobrovsky and Artemi Panarin in a Blue Jackets uniform? And plus, you got Ryan Dezingle, you got Matt Duchesne, who they picked up from the Ottawa Senators. So who knows what this team's going to look like. Uh, Yarmo Kekalainen is going to have a really, really interesting summer. And by the way, if you had Boston and Carolina as your Eastern Conference final when you did your brackets at the beginning of the playoffs... <laughs> no, no. There's some uh, people who would have picked the Bruins who are, are probably happy numbers? right now <laughs> because they're like, okay, I, I have a chance to win my pool or I'm leading my pool and I'm going to win it, right? Yeah, no kidding. Um, I'm really looking forward to this Eastern Conference final matchup, Davey, because we got uh, just tons of experience on both sides. Uh, David Krejci might be the best Czech, or Czech uh, Republic or Czechoslovakian player yes. uh, on the planet right now. Yeah, like, bar none. Yeah, he's clutch, you know, and he has maybe quiet regular seasons, but playoff time shows what having good depth is in there. They are getting older. Yep. They are getting older. There's no question about that. But, but but then you look on the other side, you got Mr. Game 7, Justin Williams. Yeah. Can't count him out. And we don't know what the condition is on Peter Mrazek either, who's another great Czech yeah, player. So. exactly. There's a lot of people who are going to be, and I'm, I'm flirting with, well, the Bruins could win this in four or five games. <laughs> but we said that in round one. We said that in round two. Uh, the Bruins, though, will be the toughest matchup for the Carolina Hurricanes. And the Bruins are kind of like a little bit of front runners. When that top line is going, whoa, they're tough. And they got some depth scoring tonight. That's key. And when they're not going, it's tough. But they got depth scoring tonight. Can they get that in round three? against the Hurricanes, who may not be the best team, but they are playing like the best team. That is a fun group to watch. The bunch of jerks. Coming up uh, in about 10 minutes from now, the San Jose Sharks trying to wrap up their series with the Colorado Avalanche as they play game number six of that series. The Sharks win. They advance to the Western Conference Final to play either the Blues or the Stars. Game seven of that series in St. Louis tomorrow night. And if the Avalanche win... Game 7 on Wednesday. Don't know when the Eastern Conference Final will start, but uh, 6.30 Chad will be the home of the Eastern and Western Conference Finals and the Stanley Cup Final right here on 6.30 Chad. Quick scoreboard look in the NBA. Milwaukee uh, Bucks with a 113-101 win over the Boston Celtics. They lead that series three games to one. In the Major Leagues of Baseball, Toronto Blue Jays taking it on the chin big time as they are losing 8-0 to the Minnesota Twins in the bottom of the ninth inning. Back with Inside Sports tomorrow at 6.05 for producer Kellen Kennedy. I'm Dave Campbell. Have a great evening, folks. Thanks for your feedback. We'll talk again tomorrow. Good night. 
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.